that's how you build rivalries, and that's how you build atmosphere. Edwards, three-pointer, it's good! This team is right there with anybody else in, in the country. They are clicking on kind of a different level that we didn't um, that we didn't see this year. Perry for the lead. Oh! He did it again. Is this a personnel issue? Is I think I really think it's just a, a player fit. Like I I think, and again, is. this is this is partially his fault, right? These are his transfers yes. that he brought in, right? But I'm still saying I think this is just a whiff. I think this is just a whiff on you his can't, part. You can't, you can't, you cannot whiff with this much talent. And I love Texas Tech. This is home. And I get to stay home. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Zone Star State Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Ishmael Johnson for this Saturday edition of the podcast ish at Super Bowl weekend, yet mm-hmm. I've written twenty five hundred words on women's basketball. So that's just that's I'll, who we are. Yeah, I was gonna say you're you're preoccupied with the biggest game of the year, man. Just uh, very happy you could take some time to record with us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got to give back. I got to give back. Yeah, yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, let's get LSU Carolina, versus man. yeah, yeah. Ooh. I mean, this is we were just talking about this before we started recording, like. It's weird seeing a big monumental game like this in women's basketball that doesn't involve UConn because um, we were trying to, we were just looking, thinking back on like a lot of the big games for women's basketball over the years. And it's always like, yeah, UConn's involved somehow. And now two unbeaten teams and neither of them are UConn. <laughs> yeah. And it's weird because you look at the Big Ten and how many like yeah. ranked teams are in the Big Ten. It's like, you know, when I think of women's basketball, it's UConn. It was obviously Baylor with Mulkey, but South Carolina, Tennessee, mm-hmm. uh, those teams. And now it's like the Big Ten is like in, infiltrating in, but they still can't get to that. Like they're still not on that caliber of like drawing attention the way that Mulkey is and Staley and, you know, even UConn, Tennessee and so on and so forth. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it'll be an interesting game. Uh for sure, I'm I'm looking forward to it on on Sunday. I wish it was at home, but it's in South Carolina, so that's all right. Yeah, makes up for it. Yep. But <laughs> plenty of uh, Texas basketball stuff to cover here. Um, we gotta start with the headliner, UTR. Yeah. Man, fires Greg Young parts ways. If you want to be technical, parts ways yeah. with Greg Young. Um, announces a coaching change. Uh, obviously, there's still a month left in the season, but UTA has moved on. Um, I sent you the, the stats from uh, my guy Zach Babb at North Texas. Um, yeah, man. Scott, like going from Scott Cross, obviously, to Greg Young has just been in. Uh, uh, Chris, uh, Chris Ogden, a couple of the couple of years of Chris Ogden in there too. You're right. Yeah, Chris Ogden to Greg Young. Uh, it just has not been good. What are you? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I guess the shocking part for me is that. They fired him after a win. Like, and there's my cat coming up here. Um, they fired him after a win, though. Like, they were talking about them. They beat Sam Houston. Oh, your cat is up there. Look at that. I know. My cat, my cat's like right there. Um, anyway, he he finds my drink, I think. Anyway, um, he's all right. I'm gonna have to pull them off. Anyway, um, he like. He, the, the audio he, they beat UTRGV. It's like, yeah. going front row. Sorry. Go I know, ahead. right? The audio listeners are like, what is happening right now? Um, they beat UTRGV, and 
they had like a nice celebration with him. I think they posted on his social, on their social account, like, you know, in the locker room and all that. And then he's fired. <laughs> I was like, wait, hold on, what? Um, I can't say I'm shocked, though. I mean, you know, we've talked about this team struggling for the past, I mean, basically since this podcast started. Um, you know, they're 9-16 and 16 this year. They're not on a good trajectory. They were eight, uh, 11 and 18 last year. And they're honestly legitimately one of the worst teams in the country. Um, in offense, they're 354th in effective field goal percentage, 300th in adjusted efficiency per Ken Palm, um, 351st in two-point percentage in the country, and 357th in non-steal, per, uh, non-steal turnovers on offense. This team just looks like a shell of its former self, right? Me and you associate UTA with being one of the best mid-majors in the country, um, if we're being honest, just going back to the Scott Cross years. And they haven't been that. And I and I, I know, like, the administration that fired Scott Cross is no longer there, right? And so it's, it's like, it, it's, it's, it's hard to, like, still blame them for that. But, like, it's still, it starts with that, right? Like it starts mm-hmm. with firing your best coach in your program's history, an alum, a native Texan, because he didn't win 20 games enough or he didn't get to the tournament or whatever the, the reasoning was. And going with Chris Ogden, and even though Chris Ogden kept them okay, they still was a shadow of what Scott Cross did. He obviously leaves you guys to go to Texas uh, for a non-head coaching role. And then you're forced to, to, to promote Greg Young, which I think at the time was a decent move, right? He was, a, he was an assistant under both uh, Scott Cross and Chris Ogden. Okay, cool. Let's get some stability in there. It's a guy who's he's, he's an older coach, so he's not exactly going to look for, you know, uh, another job right away. So it's like, okay, if, they, uh, if it works out, cool, right? If it works out and you got your head coach, he's probably going to be his first and only job. There you go. Um, and it just it just didn't work out. I think I think there's something to be said about just the offensive the offensive ideas just weren't there. Um, we, we the talent acquisition I think was lacking a lot because um, yeah. we talked about uh, who's the player for TCU that they lost. I forgot. Shahada um, Wells. Yeah, Shahada oh, Wells. About, yeah, from UTA. Yeah. Yeah, Shahada. Yeah, Shahada Wells goes to to TCU and they never like replace him basically. Their best player, Kendall Weaver, was a good find, but he was in your backyard at Mansfield Timberview, um, and he's been really a revelation this year. But trajectory-wise, I could see them saying, what are we doing here? You know, like, what, what's kind of – what's the idea of the long-term future under Greg Young? Um, yeah, I don't know. So I, I guess I get – under I understand, like, going – in a new direction i just it's just a little weird that they're in the midst of like one of their better runs this year <laughs> it feels like this decision was made uh a while ago and mm-hmm. it's one of those things that they started winning too much to where they don't want them to continue <laughs> to win and then they can't fire him that's what it feels right. like to me and i don't know if that's fair or not we don't i don't know what happened behind the scenes maybe but yeah um they beat sam houston state last week they beat rgv um, they only lose to Tarleton by five, like, you know, some decent results here. They're up to four and eight in conference, nine and 16 overall, mm-hmm. which is not good. It's not good. I'm not saying it is good, but their next game is against Sam Houston state and then SFA. And let's just say if, if they beat Sam again, 
or if they beat SFA at that point, like, and they end the season like somewhat strong and they somehow go like, I don't know, eight and 10 or seven mm-hmm. and 11, like, which is not good, but it's not terrible to the point where you're like, oh, this guy has to go right now. I don't know. Maybe sure. they just you don't want to risk that. But um, yeah, the timing of it is a little awkward, but I think you summed everything up well. Um, it was just, just again, UTA has such a nice gym. It has such a, I mean, it has a recent history with Scott Cross to where we expect them to be good and for them not to be competitive. In the WAC, which is a very solid basketball conference. Um, mm-hmm. Facilities know, you know, are there, locations yeah. there, right? They're, they're in Arlington, right? Yeah, it's like locations. it's a basketball haven. <laughs> conference facilities i mean you check a lot of boxes i think it makes a lot of sense why you have to do better than you know sub 500 in conference at this point the expectations are much higher than that and they just haven't been competitive yeah i think uh zach babs tweet you know uh in his five years stock cross 108 103 games while also posting three consecutive 20 plus win seasons um, of course, there were those disappointments in the tournament, which I think was the ultimate downfall, unfortunately, for him, mm-hmm. where he didn't you know, win the tournament, the conference tournament, and we never got to see those teams in the NCAA tournament. But um, in firing, and he is, my cat is all over the place right now. Um, uh, in five years since firing Scott Cross, they've won just 64, right? Yeah. Barely winning more than half the games that he uh, was, a, he, they've, uh, that Scott Cross did in, his, in the same span. Um, and yeah, and now he's at Troy, who Troy's, Troy's not a world beater, but he had them 20 wins last year. He's probably going to get them to about 500-ish this year, which again, Troy's not a, a world beater, but by that standard, I think he's done a pretty good job. And now, I, I, I don't know what they do, right? Like, there's no, I mean, granted, there's, there, there's going to be good candidates available, right? You can go to any, I think you can go to any bench in the state and find a good, capable, deserving option. Mm-hmm. Um but, I, you know, there isn't, like, the obvious guy, right? Um, so that, that's where kind of we can, you know, we'll, I'll be paying attention is how creative. I know the AD um, was just hired last year. So, like, maybe he was looking at he, – he came in the middle of that season, so he didn't want to, you know, make a decision on Greg Young then. He gave him this year. Okay, cool. It's not happening. Boom. Let me bring my guy in. We'll see. I don't know, um, but I am curious to see what direction they go in because, yeah, this is this is a program that should be should be good. I will say um, the AD comes from Arkansas, so I don't know if he looks to Musselman's bench, right, to see if there's somebody on yeah. the Arkansas staff that maybe he uh, – Arkansas is not that far from Texas. It might as well be, a you know, similar to Oklahoma, might as well be Texas as far as recruiting is going. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you – I don't know. Do you look at – Arkansas and say, let me see who I can bring over potentially to help out, um, to help out here. Uh, I would personally look to uh, uh, Baylor's bench potentially, right? Um, I believe John Jacobs and Alvin Brooks Jr. are potentially there. Um, so, and again, that's just me, but um, I, I, there's no shortage of guys that they should be looking at, in my opinion, because this is a good job, right? This is like, I think outside of UNT, this is the other G5 job uh, in, honestly, in the state, I'd be honest. Like, as far as, like, facilities are concerned, I'd probably go UNT, UTA, Texas State, as far as, like, facilities and opportunity. Um, the DFW schools, I think, have to be one and two. And yeah. 
I mean, depending on what you think of SMU, yeah. right? Do you think of G5 or whatever? I don't know if SMU. That's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they might be power five soon with the Pac 12 stuff going on. But, you know, you get what I'm saying. I, I think mid major wise, I think it's UNT and UTA um, and then the rest. So I, I think you should be one of, you know, uh, looking at this as a, a good opportunity. Rodney Terry, come on down. <laughs> I mean, listen, if Texas moves on from him, look, there, there are worse spots for him than, oh, uh, than getting some work done. Makes hey, I makes makes sense on paper to me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. I'm wrong. Yeah. I mean, I'm still scarred from how bad his teams were at UTEP, but hey, they got. Oh sure, I mean, I think that's what that's why I think that's literally the reason why we haven't just yeah, just hire him in Texas. It's because we're like, uh, like, did he just change that much in a year? (laughs) Quick, quick, quickly, quickly rant. Yeah, yeah. Um, that twenty, I think it was the twenty twenty UTEP team. Mm -hmm. Let me find it. Let me make sure. Let me look that up exactly. The roster twenty twenty had, um, or was it twenty one? Let me let me make sure I have the year right. I don't want to get the year wrong. He was there both years. Yep. Sule Boom, okay, star at Xavier right now. Bryson Williams, star at Texas Tech uh, for a year. Um, even, okay, let's just keep going. Jamal Bienemy, uh Oklahoma mm-hmm. starter, transferred to, to UTEP. Keontae Kennedy, who is um, mm-hmm. looking pretty good as a transfer. Titus Verhoeven, starter at Northwestern right now, who's going to be a tournament team. That's five. Man, F.A. Odigi, who is a starter at SMU. That's six. Yeah, 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 yeah. They and and they weren't terrible. They went eight and eight in conference, though. Yeah. Eight and eight in conference, twelve and eleven overall. It was a COVID shortened season, but wow. Yeah, I'm Bryson. Saying, uh, Bryson Williams averaged fifteen and seven, and he was an All Conference player last year in the Big Twelve. Yeah, that that's, that was his team in twenty twenty one. Yeah, and they yeah. went eight and eight in, in the Conference USA. So. Uh, another one, Christian Agnew, who's a starter at Southeastern Louisiana, averaging eight points right now. And then I'm trying to think, is there one more? Christian Shuland is averaging 12 points right now in Portland, the West Coast Conference. So, yeah. Hey, he could get yeah. talent over there. So He could. He could get talent back in UTA. I mean, I look, I'm not against it. If he doesn't get the Texas job, I would definitely make a call to Rodney Terry. Um, at least have him say no, right? At least, have him, like, at least hear a no from him um, before you make any other calls. So I've just I've thought about that team a lot recently. Don't ask me why I thought about the 2021 UTEP team a lot, but I just <laughs> I just have. Okay. <laughs> that was a crazy team. It's I'm because I watched Sule Boom at Xavier be like their best player, second best player. He's just right. I'm like, what is what is going on? This is breaking my brain. Okay. Uh Texas AM continues to win. They're nine and two in conference now. They beat uh, Auburn at home, they beat Georgia at home. Um Nine and two in conference, seventeen seven overall. I think I haven't looked at the latest bracketology. I think they're off the bubble now. Or I or, think so. Let me let's let's take a look. Let's take not, a you know look. safe to the point, but they do sure. play LSU tonight. We're recording this on Saturday. Record they play this LSU tonight. That will be a win. Um, if that's a loss, yes, they are. Play. They are the last team in in Lenardi's last uh, latest bubble. Um, or sorry, latest. Um, so uh, they are on the bubble uh, bracketology. So they are actually, the yeah, they're, they're, by definition, yes, they still on the bubble. Jesus. So, okay. Well, beat LSU tonight. Then they have yeah. Arkansas at home and they lost Arkansas on the road, but you probably got to be Arkansas at home. Missouri on the road. Like I'm looking at the rest of the schedule. Like how many more games do they have to win 
for us to feel confident of them being in the tournament. LSU, Arkansas, right. Missouri, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Mississippi, and Alabama. Like, I don't think they're beating Alabama. They could possibly beat Tennessee, even though I think – and I mean, that game's at home, so they, they could beat Tennessee. Right. But, like, if you're not beating Alabama, and also Alabama's at home, geez. I mean, and then also you got to take into account the, the conference tournament because if they go one and done in the conference tournament, they're probably not getting in. Right, like, like if, if they lose to like Auburn or or like Florida or something like that in the in their first right. game of the conference tournament. Yeah, like let me see, let me see real quick. So seven games standings. left. Seven yeah. games before the conference tournament. Um, if they go five and two, and then if they go five and two in this stretch, like let's say they lose to Bama, Tennessee, but they beat everybody else. Mm-hmm. I think they'd be in, but I would still have hesitation if they lost their first game in the conference tournament. Yeah. Man, that God, would be crazy. So unfair. If they went 14-4 like so on the bubble, 14-4 and, and on the bubble would be nuts. I, I think the most likely – Kempom has them at 12-6. and six. I think that's a little low. That has them going 3-4 and four in the last seven. Um, right. I, you know, I think they're – So they go – yeah, so let's see. The, right now they're clinging to the number two right now. They have a – I think they have a half game up on Tennessee. Um – let me see. So that put them in as far as the SEC goes, that gets them to a quarter, I think. It gets yeah, them to a quarter final. Um and so they'd get the winner of a seven ten. So more or less, which right now one, two, probably three, like four, Missouri five, six, or something. Seven. So it's Arkansas over eight, nine, Arkansas and Mississippi State would be the seven ten right now. Okay. And but still, like what I'm what I'm trying to get at is if they lose that game right away, right? Yeah. If they're one and done in the quarters, I don't think they're making at least with this resume, right now, what they're saying right now is what is that they're not making it. Um, which is nuts because I just literally said they're number two in the in the conference right now. Yes. Um but hmm. yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's that again, it's that non-conference schedule. It was bad. It was really bad. They lost all of their games that were gonna be that would have been good enough, right? I think they lost their – didn't we talk about that? They lost all their Q1 games non-conference, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. They're currently 2-4. Like, they're 2-4 and four in quad one games. Um, right. Our, beating Arkansas at home, I assume, yeah. would be a quad one. Um, yep. Missouri on the road might be a quad one. Tennessee and Alabama at home would be quad ones. And then Mississippi State on yeah. the road might be. So there's a lot. Five of the last seven are quad one games here. So Okay. So they could make it up. They could make it up. Yeah. This, this is – and this is their toughest stretch of the season, I think. Like, we've talked about how easy their schedule is. Like, there have been stretches where it's like Florida, then LSU, then Missouri, then South Carolina, then Florida, and then you lose to Kentucky. But then you have Auburn, then you have Vanderbilt, Arkansas, then mm-hmm. Georgia. You know, there just hasn't been a stretch where you're like, okay, this is a really tough one. This could be it coming up where you have Arkansas, Missouri, Tennessee, Mississippi State. Yeah. Like, that four games straight where you're going to be tested – um, and the the harder or the easier of those two is Missouri and Mississippi State are on the road. So, you know, that makes it more challenging. And then you have Alabama at the end. Like, this is the toughest stretch for A&M here, and this is what's mm-hmm. going to decide their season. Sure. Yeah, no, 100%. I think uh, it would be a shame if this team missed out because this is looking like a much better team than we thought and the team that we kind of expected to see after last year. So it, I'd really hate to see this team have to go through another NIT or something like that, you know? Yeah. Back-to-back NIT runs would, <laughs> would somehow piss off everybody in college station. I was about to say, yeah, they go 20 and 11 or something like they didn't, they, you know, Ken Palm hasn't gone 20 and 11, 
So they do that and they just go back to <laughs> back to the NIT. Back to the NIT. Um, North Texas bounced back and beat – or didn't bounce back. They continued their winning streak. But they beat UAB in double overtime at home. Mm-hmm. You thought about going to this game. You should have gone. I should. I definitely should have gone. This was. Uh, this oh, turned out to be a pretty damn good game. And yeah, I'm really upset. I missed it now. <laughs> Double overtime. Uh, just two heavyweights. UAB is a real problem here. Um, even though it, we we anticipated UAB being the best team in the conference, they haven't mm-hmm. they haven't lived up to that. Jelly Walker's been hurt for a bit, um, but still, man, this team at full strength is a real. Real tough out. North Texas did what oh, they yeah. do, just you know, kind of grinded them down to the end, and then end up holding. I them. will say this one, this one. I know it took it took two overtimes for them to get to seventy nine, but it wasn't like UNT played their best defensive game, right? Like UAB shot really well from the floor, um, and so I wonder, like, if I'm UNT, I look at this game as like, oh, we kind of we were able to kind of keep pace with the team that without grinding it down to like a halt, right? Typically yeah. like UNT has to keep them. What, what was the stat we said? It was like below 65 or below 60 yeah. and they win the game basically. Like um, again, I know it took two extra periods, but shooting wise, they were shooting pretty okay from the floor. Uh, UAB was. So it was kind of like a game where the offense eventually kind of won out uh, for, for UNT. The big thing was they didn't, North Texas didn't foul which mm-hmm. um, has been one of their problems all year was that North Texas puts people on the free throw line a good amount. They get to the free throw mm-hmm. line a ton, or, or they get to the free throw line a modest amount, but they put – which mm-hmm. was one of the problems. But yeah. um, this game, they get to the line 25 times. Uh, there was a stretch where they went on like an 8-0 run for like five minutes, and nobody scored a field goal. North Texas only made mm-hmm. free throws. <laughs> and we are like, all right, Man. This is this is another Texas game we're watching here. Mm-hmm. Um, By the way, quick shout out to Kai Huntsbury, who's been on his best stretch of the year right now. Right Fifteen points. So, so I'm gonna rattle off his uh, past five games: fifteen points against UAB, twenty-one points, twelve points, eight points, nineteen points, uh, and then even in a loss to Rice, he was one of their uh, leading scores at ten. So he's he's really again. We had some questions about this backcourt, right? We had some questions about what this team was outside of uh, Tyler Perry and they they're figuring it out with him. Yeah. And the whole thing was for him was like early the first half of the season. And then not, he was shooting like sub 40% from two uh, for a right. while. He's finally gotten to the point where he's more confident, stri- driving to the basket stronger. Uh, his three point shots come around a good amount, even though um, mm-hmm. he didn't hit one. He didn't attempt one in this game, but his three point shots come around a bit. So, They've been constantly looking for that, you know, the Robin to Tyler Perry's Batman. And yep. Kai Huntsbury has become that um, as the season's gone on. Abu Usman has also been uh, much better uh, over the past couple since that, of games. Since that game winner against La Tech, he's only had single digits once, Kai Huntsbury. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how much that boosted his confidence a bit because he was, you know, he kind of struggled in that game a little bit until that shot. Um, and since then, he's been on a tear. Yeah, so North Texas um, pulls away a good amount from the pack here. Uh, FAU is first at thirteen and one. North Texas is second at eleven and three. FAU has the tiebreaker there for those who don't know. So um, North Texas would have to, you know, surpass them by three games over the last, you know, six, which is not likely to happen. Uh, but still, UAB is third at eight and six. Middle Tennessee third uh, tied for third at eight and six. 
like we said, Rice would lose to FAU, drop down to six and seven. And then UTEP and UTSA um, down there as well. We'll get to them in a second. Have a fun segment coming up. Um, quick shout out to Lamar. I'm going to give Lamar a shout out. Mm, yes, yes. Do uh, it. I, I scroll through the scores to make sure I don't miss anything. And mm-hmm. there have been several times where I have missed Lamar winning games. And I want to take I don't want to take this for granted because last year, for those who don't remember, they went two and twenty-seven and zero and sixteen. They didn't win a division yeah. one game last year. This year, they um, they won one non-conference game against a division one team. They they won three against NAI or division two, whatever they are, which is still mm-hmm. you know the wins a wins a win. We we count those in the record book. We, um, we do count those. <laughs> we do count those. They are four and eight in conference now. Yeah, that is a significant step forward. Um, they beat Incarnate Word on Thursday. They've beaten McNeese. They've beaten AM Corpus Christi earlier in the year. They've beaten Nichols. They've beaten everybody. It's not like just they're beating up on Incarnate Word or Houston Christian here. They've beaten them. They haven't even played Houston Christian yet. So that could be mm-hmm. two more wins we're looking at. Houston <laughs> right. Christian better right. look out, okay? Lamar is coming for them. Uh, I will say seen, one. They got New Orleans. Yeah. They haven't even played New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Oh, they have. They've lost to New Orleans once, but they play them again. So they could beat New Orleans. This could be like they could go eight and eight. Maybe I want so so I I'm gonna put right now a little pin in Lamar, okay. and I'm gonna have them as our UTSA women's basketball of next year. Okay, like because that. because here's the thing. This team is young as hell, <laughs> right? They have three juniors, and that is it. That's as far as upperclassmen goes. Yep. Everybody yep. else, freshman, freshman, freshman. Ever, let me see. One, two, three. Oh. Redshirt freshman. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven true freshmen. Yep. Two sophomores who are transfers, two soft true sophomores, and Brock McClure and Valentin Cat. This team is young and they're figuring it, they're figuring it out, right? We talked about, I think I mentioned last year where it was just like Alvin Brooks just like threw a bunch of dudes on the court and then just like cut them all. <laughs> basically, yeah. like in this offseason, exactly. like he basically remade the entire team. Um and it's 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 working. Like they're not fantastic to watch, right? Again, they're mostly freshmen, and so they're going to be kind of ugly. They're one of the worst defensive teams in the country, but no. they're figuring things out. Um, similar, I will say this: what we talked about with UTSA last year in the women's team was they're not very structured. They play okay defense, which again Lamar doesn't. But the one thing that they were able to teach and kind of preach was just buy-in and hustle, yeah. right? Lamar, 43rd in the country in offensive rebounding percentage. Uh, 10 per, they play good – they play – this is where I think the defense could improve. Here's the thing. They don't foul at all on defense. Yeah. I'm saying they got to start fouling some people because <laughs> they are – they are the lefty. Give it here. Yeah, for- they are 10th in defensive free throw percentage. Start fouling right now. <laughs> no one can make foul. a free throw against them. Just – Heck. Just foul. <laughs> you you just, guys can no one seems to be able to shoot free throws against you guys. So I'm just saying, I need y'all to hack and just just do whatever y'all can. Cause if y'all let's see, Ken Palm has them finishing 10 and 21, which compared to last year would be huge. incredible. Huge. Incredible. So five, they, they, they'd be five uh sorry, uh, uh six and twelve in the conference, which again, compared to last year, incredible. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say right now in this offseason, 
I think Alvin Brooks is going to bring in some guy, maybe one or two guys. I think he's going to roll with most of this team again yeah. uh, next year. But I wouldn't be shocked if he brings in one or two guys to maybe sure up some things. A name I do love on this team that I saw in high school, Chris Pryor from DeSoto. He's running point for them. Mm-hmm. He's been fantastic for them. He's averaging 10 points, three assist, almost three and, uh, just over three and a half assists per game. And I remember seeing him at DeSoto. He's been great. Uh, he's one of their only under uh, upperclassmen, I should say. And, yeah, uh, one of their big revelations has been Nate Calmes, I think. He dropped 27 in their last game. Um, he's out of Arizona or, yeah, Arizona, true freshman. And he's been their leading scorer at almost 17 points a game. So it's, it's, it's been a slow build. Um, I don't think I expected even this kind of a jump this year. I thought it'd be more like five-ish wins um, as opposed to potentially doubling that. So we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Alvin Brooks, though, good, good good uh good uh, job going on there in Beaumont because that's not an easy place to win yep we both had them at two conference wins coming into the year so there you go yeah there you go there you go Lamar talk, man. yep come on come on the podcast Alvin we'll get him over yeah. the offseason listen listen I was about to say yeah that's that's definitely a target for the offseason so Alvin Brooks Karen Aston um those are the, the headliners every every offseason yes. <laughs> Oh, Scott Drew, too, of course. Can't forget Scott. Scott's oh, of course, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scott Drew's been the, the, the long-time one here. Um, right. All right, a uh, quick game. A, a sad game, nonetheless. But I want to give these guys uh, – we'll, I want to talk about these teams one more time before we get into mm-hmm. important time of the year. Uh, mm-hmm. Ranking the most disappointing teams here in Texas. Ooh. You can let me know if okay. I've met somebody. But I have okay. UTEP. I have Texas Tech, I have SMU, and I have Abilene Christian. We've talked about the men's side being a being a very good year, you know, for, mm-hmm. for men's basketball for the most part across the board. Um, you know, I don't throw Rice in here. I think Rice has had a, a pretty decent year. Um, mm-hmm. I won't throw UTSA in here because they have completely lived up to our expectations of how bad they were. <laughs> right. UTEP, right. Texas Tech, SMU, and Abilene Christian. Those are those are the four. Um, UTEP dropped down to, I believe, 4-9 in conference play now. Um, Texas Tech, we've talked about them. Only one conference win um, to this mm-hmm. point. Um, SMU, I know SMU picked up a win. Let me get it here. Uh, SMU, damn, they're down to 191 in camp. I might just scroll all the way down for that. Um, I know SMU picked up a win over Temple. On Wednesday, so they are now four and eight in conference, um, mm. with a not so impressive non-conference slate um, resume. And then Abilene Christian um, is let me pull up Abilene one sixty nine in Kimpom, thirteen eleven overall, and five and six in conference. If you had to rank those four in terms of most disappointing, mm-hmm. most disappointing, how are you? How are you going? I think the obvious one would be to put Tech one um, because the record obviously is bad, right? I don't know if I expected them to be that good this year, though. With When right? Fardar was out, I'm trying to think of where we thought they'd be. Because right. we were, with Fardaz, they were a top 25 team in, in the, most of the polls and rankings and stuff like that. Sure, sure, sure. And I think with him out, and not being able to replace what they lost on the wing. Granted, yes, I didn't expect this, right? I think this has been way worse than, than I imagined. But 
all the numbers are like still suggesting that this is like a average team, right? They're not, yeah. they're not, I think the, the numbers suggest that they're not a, what are they at conference right now? Uh, one in 10. One in, yeah, something like that. The numbers suggest they're not that, right? The numbers suggest that they're more probably closer to 500 in conference, um, maybe just below 500. So, but still, yes, obviously, I'm going to put them kind of number one just by saying, yeah, nobody expected them to be this bad. Yes. I'm going to put UTEP as a close number two. Okay. UTEP looks bad, man. <laughs> like, yeah. offensively, I tried watching their game against Charlotte. This game, this team is just so unwatchable on offense, man. Like, there's no, and I guess I, sh- I guess we probably should have seen this coming, and I, I don't think we did. Um, yeah, you lose basically all the offensive firepower you had, <laughs> and I guess we just kind of thought that like Joe Golding toughness and Joe Golding grit would kind of make it work, and they'll figure some things out, and they'll be good on defense, and they'll just kind of make it work on offense, kind of like those ACU teams used to do. And no, <laughs> they're like bottom in every metric in the conference USA yeah. uh, offensively. And they just, I'm, I'm just saying they stink on offense, man. This is just not a good team. And they're not good enough on defense yet to be able to make up for that. The crazy thing is like, yeah, they're 57th in defense in the country, which like, right. which like to, that's good. But like, you kind of need to be like top 30 to make up for how bad this offense. 322nd in offense. Is a dis- disgusting <laughs> number to look at, and this is this is the thing is like we talked to Joe Golding, also a friend mm-hmm. of the podcast. We talked to Joe yes. Golding, and he's like, you know, he was excited to get the athletes of UTEP, you know, the, the the step up in athleticism, and that is great. But he's literally like, this looks like an Abilene Christian team. Like, sure, you have a couple guys that have five more inches on their vertical. But what does that matter? Right. You can't score the damn ball. Like at Evelyn Christian, I couldn't understand why you would be top 60 in defense and bottom 60 in offense. Like that would make sense to me. Mm-hmm. UTEP, you talked about how excited you were to get some players like Jamal Bianami, like Sule Boom, like Bryce, like, a, you know, a guy of the caliber, you could get a Bryson Williams. Like he is almost right. the opposite of Rodney Terry to where Rodney Terry could get the talent and but couldn't, you know, coach them up to the level to where they could live up to expectations. Joe Golding, I need to start seeing the talent acquisition aspect of this. Like, and, and now you, you texted me uh, yesterday that Mario McKinney is now probably off the team. And there yeah. goes your there goes your third leading score, right? Mario McKinney is so going. Like, so I'm just like, this is just as this has not been a good season at all. And we've kind of brushed it yeah. under the rug because we, we love Joe Golding and what he did at Avalon Christian, but like, Sure. Or the second worst team in Conference USA, this team is. I we weren't expecting that. We were not expecting. Yeah. We we thought they'd be about I mean, five hundred. Yeah, and I think like we expected. I think the the guys they brought in, right, Tay Hardy, Shamar Givens, we expected them to be better fits for him than than those than the other guys that they lost. Uh, you know, the enemy and then Sule Boom, and like sure they've come in and they've been the leading scorers, right? Tay Hardy. I think has been scoring a lot more than I think I expected from him. Um, he's probably going to be their best player heading into next year, but it's like, okay, like what does that say that, you know, no offense to Tay Hardy. I think he's a really good defensive player and, and provides a lot, but if he's your best player going into next season, yeah, like, again, like you said, that's ACU, that's ACU all over again. Right. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, well, it's even frustrating. With those players, yeah. even with yeah. those like 
players, they, he hasn't proven at all, and Avalon Christian or UTEP, in my opinion, that he can get the most offensively out of players. Sure, sure, 100%. Yeah, no, I, think, so, I think that's completely fair. It's, it's going to be really interesting to see next year, not only who he's able to bring in, but how he's able to get them going on offense because you cannot finish like this low offensively again. You just can't. I know Conference Tuesday is going to be different. You know, you'll have yeah. the new, it was a New Mexico State and, you know, whoever else in there. Uh, Sam Houston is in the, the Conference USA now, right? I, I have to go mm-hmm. look at it. But regardless, yeah. like, this isn't even going to get it done against them, against the, the new Conference right. USA. So, uh, yeah, the, I am concerned about UTEP uh, this year, obviously, and then Joe Golden got to gotta start proving some things offensively. Yeah, they they started off again. The non conference schedule wasn't great, but they start they beat everybody basically. They they played right. They lost only three games and four games in non conference. Uh, three if you not don't include Texas. Um, but New Mexico State looks like garbage right now, and they're just suspended their whole team. Basically. They don't even have a team anymore. So, yeah, so so they they lost by fifteen to them, and DePaul by twenty one. Which okay, DePaul's I don't know DePaul's not great either um and so now it's like okay now those losses probably should have raised a little bit more alarm bells than i think they did for us because now they've won three games since the middle of december and it's it's bad they're on a five game losing streak with i mean do you feel great about them playing utsa right now (laughs) utsa coming up um granted utsa just has been getting pummeled by everybody but I don't necessarily believe in UTEP being able to bounce back from that. And then right after that, you go into UAB, UAB and UNT back-to-back. Yeah. It's, it's scary, man. It is scary hours. Then you got FIU, a quick break. Hopefully you can win that. But then FAU right after that. <laughs> it's yeah. going to it's gonna be looking bad. Um, I think it's going to be another season of tearing down a roster. And, again, how many times can you do that? Before people start being like, "Hey, why are you? Why can't you get any of these guys to work out?" <laughs> or why aren't you? Yeah, why? Again, you could have a big conversation. About why didn't you keep Sule? Or why couldn't you keep Keontae Kennedy? Like all sure. like those type of guys. Um, because to us, it felt a lot like him. Like he was fine with a guy like Sule Boom leaving. Like he was fine with right, right, right. The right. complete overhaul of the roster really throughout this offseason. So. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he had to get it done. Like I'm not saying he had to get yeah. 11 and nine in conference, but they're about to go like sure. six and 14. Whew. Yep. All right. Yeah. Right now. I mean, Xavier, Xavier is sitting at number two in the big East right now to Marquette. Oh yeah. Uh, probably a top. They're playing like a top 25 team and Sule booms averaging 16 points a game. So like he's doing what you did, what he did for you for them. And they're winning. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah. yeah. UTEP is probably the number two. I have a clear number three here. And maybe it's biased. Okay, go for it. But number three is SMU. I think SMU has just been far worse than what we thought. Yeah. Let's see. Hold on. Let me. Let me. I have the predictions up. Okay. Where do we? I mean, they're one. They're only one spot behind UTEP and Ken Palm, so the numbers suggest that. I was so wrong. I had SMU. I bought. I bought all the SMU stock, and I have gone broke. I went. I said they were going to go eleven and seven in conference. You had eight and ten. You are much smarter. You put it in Bitcoin. I yeah. Just, <laughs> you bought them like Bitcoin. <laughs> just the, 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 there's too much talent on this team. Like yeah. if you rank the the American based off talent, yeah. 
they are they are not in the bottom half, in my opinion. No, like I, they're not deep by any means. Well, because the Americans not great either, right? Depth wise, like at the top, the Americans solid, but like depth wise, this is a conference they should be able to punch into. You should be able to. You should be able. This team, they're, again, they're not deep. I'm not saying they're deep, right? Zerg right, Sprout, FAODG, Zach Nuttall, Samuel Williamson, Stefan Todorovic. Like, that's five guys right there that can play. Like, that's legitimate guys that can play basketball. And mm-hmm. you shouldn't be losing to East Carolina. You shouldn't be losing right. to Wichita State, even, in my opinion, who still is an average team. Like, you should be right there with, like, a Tulane, uh, with a uh, Cincinnati, who I don't think is, is not mm-hmm. great this year. So those type of teams, they're not even, like, they're significantly behind. They're four and eight in conference at this point. Um, you shouldn't be in the bottom four, in this right. point, in my opinion. Like I just don't think that that's where they should be. Like I, I'm gonna. Yeah. This is first year coach Rob Lanier. You know, I'll give them first year coaches get benefits of the doubts on this podcast from me. Mm-hmm. But still, I just think like four and eight. I feel like they should at least be five and seven, six and six, maybe. Yeah, uh, they have. No, they never punched up. They ha- like what's the biggest win of the season? They beat Utah State. That's the one. Yeah, that's, that's kind it. of it. Um, they played TCU tough, kind of is the only other one I can think of. Like, <laughs> and that's when TCU didn't play um, basketball. So, right, yes, they were like some. They were losing to almost losing to HBCUs. Um, so yeah, I mean, like Rob Lane, Yeah, I, 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 I can agree with that. I think when you take Houston, Memphis, Tulane, maybe Temple. Like, outside of those guys, like, the AAC should be winnable for this team. Um, which means that's – I think they should be, like, the sixth. As far as talent goes, yeah, that puts them in the upper half. The thing that's surprising to me is that the defense just has – like, Rob Lanier's Georgia State teams weren't excellent on defense, but they were reliably good. They were always near the top of the conference. They knew how to defend the inside of the, the three-point arc, and they just haven't – that hasn't just translated at all. Like – Last year in Joe Golding's first year at UTEP, you were like, okay, they, he didn't have the defenders, but you could see kind of them playing yeah. better defense than they had previously. I don't see any of these dudes playing any type of defense, right? Um, at Georgia State, he forced turnovers. Like I said, he he defended the inside of the three-point line very well, uh, forced basically everybody to play completely outside uh, perimeter basketball. And that was his kind of, that was their calling card at, at Georgia State. And now this year, Georgia State's fallen off quite a bit. They're down to like 248 in Ken Palm or something like that, like almost a 100-point drop. Yeah. Um, and it – I don't know. Yeah, it hasn't translated at all. You have – I mean, Zurich Phelps, God, they better pray he can he, – he wants to stay home because <laughs> he's, he's, he's really good. And they're kind of wasting a really, really good breakout season from him. And I guarantee that there's going to be some programs knocking on that door saying, hey, you want to keep – missing the tournament right you saw it we, you can we can have the kendrick davis discussion all over again right hey you saw how good he was for them and he didn't he ever got to play the tournament you want to do that too or you want to come play at tcu or wherever um yeah i mean this team is this team is talented and um the reason why i probably would have acu above them is just because like you said it, there's some credence to first year head coaches um but the scary thing is there's no, like, I'm not seeing that Rob Lanier imprint yet, which is concerning. Let's talk about Bill and Christian. Let's talk about him. All right. Um, Let's do it. 
in two years, the defense has gone from 26th in the country to 217th. It's it's looking scary. <laughs> it's offense, looking scary. You know, the offense is, is, is all right. The offense is doing all right. Yeah. 146th in sure. the country. They're scoring the ball sure. at a decent clip. Uh, they've actually won three straight games, so we got to give them a little bit of credit there. Five and six mm-hmm. now, um, including being Seattle, because Seattle just can't beat anybody in Texas. Um, right. Yes, yes, point. that was that game. Um, they have Sam Houston State next. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess they don't have New Mexico State next somehow, whatever, you know, whatever happened there. Uh, Sam Houston State, then Grand Canyon, then SFA, then Utah Valley. That's their next four games. And then Sam Houston again. They didn't even get to play New Mexico State. So that that is a funny – that is a <laughs> yeah. hilarious outline. They have them twice. They should have them twice. They're not going to play them. Right. But the rest of their schedule is Sam, Grand Canyon, SFA, Utah Valley, Sam. That's the last five games. They're five and six yeah. at the moment. My biggest thing is you look at their wins this year. Mm-hmm. Before this past two weeks, like before the month of February, they didn't have a win over a team in the top 190 in Ken Palm. Like Tarleton was their biggest win of the year. Now, yeah. if you consider Seattle a good team, which I think they're kind of fraudulent, but hey, they beat Seattle. They beat Cal Baptist. They beat Utah Tech. They beat mm-hmm. the East Coast or West Coast teams. They can't play with the, the Texas teams. And now they come back and they got Sam and SFA and, and Grand Canyon teams like that. I think the last five games, this will determine how much of a bust this season has been. Because they could very well lose all five of those games and go five and eleven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I think know. so too. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's looking really tough. Um the whack has been pretty good, right? Despite what you think about Seattle, they're still up near the top and so it's kind of been this team it's, lost it's, to rgv I mean, by the way this team lost to rgv yeah. by t- yeah. almost 20 they gave 100 to rgv 100 yeah. to rgv yeah. like <laughs> yeah. that, that that doesn't happen okay sorry go ahead yeah no no it's okay um no i agree like i they, they've been very disappointing and him in his second year they're about to almost drop another 100 points on defensive numbers, right? You mentioned the 100-point drop from Golding's last year to his first year. Okay, fair enough. You know, you lose a lot of key players, um, uh, and it's your first-year head coach, things like that. They're about to drop another 100 points in Ken Bomb, yep. ranking-wise, as far as that's concerned. And, yeah, granted, you know, they've won four out of the last five. So it's like, is this is this a turning point? I don't know, right? Because in the middle of January, you were looking at one and five in conference. Um, and now you're five and six. So, okay, things are turning around a little bit. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, two games you're favored in, or two games you, you like you mentioned, or could have been winnable, are now off the schedule in New Mexico State. You're playing Sam Houston State, who's been not as good as we thought, but still one of the better teams in the conference. You still got SFA, you still got Utah Valley, and you still got another game against Sam Houston State. I don't know. If you if they can work their way to around maybe just above 500, okay, cool. Then maybe you just throw the numbers out and figure out whatever the hell happened in the offseason, maybe re, you know reconstruct the roster and go from there. But, yeah, I don't know. This is – it's not looking good as far as, like, the, lo- the long-term trajectory under Brett Tanner so far, so – I don't know. The the move the hire made sense, right? You want to keep that Joe Golding train going um, as long as you could because he was there for so long. So obviously you'd want somebody who kind of knew what he was about. Um, but yeah, it, they just they just haven't been nearly as good as as 
they need to be um, anywhere close, really. We've seen a few cautionary tales about just trying to keep this thing going and just hiring from within. It's a, it's a, yeah. it's not. I'm mean, no no hire is ever you know foolproof, but it sure, is a, right. Interesting. The, the the thought process of like, hey, let's just keep it going. Let's just hire the assistant. Sometimes there's a reason right. they're the assistant. That's, that's true. That's all true. you gotta say. Um, we'll see. All right, there there's the rankings. We won't talk much more about those four teams moving forward. So that's why I wanted to give them one more shout out before we move forward. Um. On the women's side, there wasn't a ton. Um, it's hard because there's just so much inconsistencies on the women's side. Uh, but Texas know, did beat right? Texas Tech, eighty to seventy-one. There's still a game up in the Big Twelve. I don't have anything new to present to you here, but I think it's noteworthy that they did get redemption. They're game up. They play. Uh, I don't know who they play on Sunday, but um, uh, they play Iowa State. Number one, number eight, Iowa State. All right, so they play Iowa. State. Oh, they play them on Monday. Yeah. Play them on Monday. Monday. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes. Yeah. Apparently, they play TCU today, which actually leads right into my next point of TCU is 0 12. At one point, do we just start? <laughs> do, we, do we start looking at TCU? Like, what the hell is going on here? Like, what? What is this? We had them at three and fifteen and four and fourteen in our preseason prediction. They're not going to win a game, ish. They're yeah, going to go no, 0 they're not winning. Yeah, they didn't win a game. Um, and we haven't talked about them. We were like, we we're like, hey whatever you let the little you let the kid play you know whatever right. you don't worry about it and then you look over and the whole house is on fire <laughs> the house is on fire right now right right yeah you let the kids play and they set a match in the living room exactly. all of a sudden things are just on fire um i i don't know i mean i i don't think they're gonna they're not gonna let go of reagan Peebley. i really don't think um unless it's like a mutual parting of the ways type thing because um, she has built that program up into we're even having expectations at all. Um, so I just don't see them letting her go. Uh, I don't I wouldn't put mutual parting of the ways off the table though, right? One of the one of those kind of moves. Um, just because this isn't exactly like a young team. Like this is they have quite a bit of experience on this and not not experience playing together, but like they've acquired senior talent, right? Things like that. Um but they're just, they, they just stink. <laughs> they just, TCU stinks, man. They're, yeah, it's it's kind of unfortunate because I like Reagan Peebley, um, but she's hasn't been able to turn this around at all, right? Offensive, on both sides of the ball, they just, they're not good. They're ranking near the bottom in offense. They're ranking near the bottom in defense. Um, there's not like a single metric I can look to to be like, oh, here's something to build off of. They're just not good. And then, like I said, like, seven of these players are going to be gone next year. And so it's like, okay, do you just got to remake everything again? And it might just have to be where they're just, yeah, okay, cool. They brought in a lot of grad transfers and they're just, I don't know. <laughs> Someone is, yeah. It might, it might be some parting of ways type of, type of time right now. We'll see. Yeah, I got to look at our contract situation because it's, it's, it's not a, I don't know. Yeah, I think they mentioned, let me see. Uh, last March, they had a let's see, three years remaining on a contract. So she'd be going. I think she'd be going into her last year next year, or regardless, it's either next year or the year after. That's her last year. So either they hold on to her for one more year and then just part or part ways after that, give her one more year to fix things and then part ways, or 
they do something this offseason if next year's their last year because, as we know, nobody plays their last year. Or nobody coaches with one year left on our contract. So, um, it's it's coming it's coming time. I just wanted to acknowledge the burning house over there. Just wanted to say hey. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, we just kind of we just kind of been looking over our shoulder, being like, huh, all right, it's, well, it's, okay. it's, it's, well, fire's like not the kids slowing down. Swing. We're like the kids on the swing set. With the house <laughs> yeah, 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 just <laughs> make we're just like, yeah, that's, that's that looks wild. <laughs> all right, cool. What are they doing over there? <laughs> that right, right. all right. Um, oh. to the Southland. Um, yep. we had a, I don't want to say disappointing because both these teams are from Texas, but, uh, a Corp- Corpus Christi has now lost two in a row, lost to Southeastern, mm-hmm. which basically put Southeastern in the top spot. Um, and then lost to Houston Christian, um, on Thursday, um, by three, which is another disappointing result. So Southeastern now has the tiebreaker because they have beaten a Corpus Christi twice. Both teams are at nine and three. Uh, AM Commerce is still over there, like, hey, remember me? They're eight and three. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just beat Northwestern State by 20 uh, after losing to McNeese. So we'll they see. got two games. Okay, they got two cracks at, uh, yeah. at Corpus Christi yeah. at the end of the year. So this could be, this could yeah. be a close, this could be a really, really fun race to the end, especially when you just consider the Texas teams. I don't know if Commerce gets Southeastern. Let me see. Do they get Southeastern coming up? They got one. Okay, they got one game at home against Southeastern um, on next weekend. So that'll be fun to watch. Um, yeah. yeah, this uh, this is this is gonna be an entertaining race, man. Um, you know, HCU's kind of fallen out. Lamar's kind of fallen out. Lamar was there for a little bit, um, but they're probably on the back burner now. Even though they're both, I think both teams are on winning streaks, but they're kind of just they started off a little bit too behind the behind the um, uh, behind the lead there. Yeah, but hey, there you go. That's the phrase I was looking for. Yeah, yeah, you got it. That's why you're the host here. Um, So, you know, they start off behind the A-ball, so they're kind of playing catch-up, and they need some teams to fall, so it does look like a three-team race right now. But Commerce still still doing their thing, man. I can't get over how good this team has been right away um, coming up from D2. Yeah, that's been the story pretty much. So uh, we'll continue to monitor that. Like we said, um, two games – um, between Commerce and Corpus Christi that will play a big role in that. And then I want to give a shout-out to Texas State women for uh, beating up on Southern yeah. Miss on the road. Um, that was a big game. I remember we talked about it. We were like, all right, the winner is going to go up to, you know, 9-4. and four, Loser is going to drop to 8-5. and five. And mm-hmm. the top of the Sun Belt is so saturated towards Troy at 10-3, then three teams at 9-4 and four, and three teams at 8-5. and five. And George Southern at seven and six, so it's like they needed to win the game. They won the game on the road. Um, they currently are playing Marshall, who has won six in a row, and Marshall was up yep. in the first quarter. So we'll see how that plays out. But still, big win from over against Southern Miss there, which keeps them in the hunt at least. And we'll see if they can beat Southern, um, Marshall. Yeah, they got they got a big game against Marshall, then ride then ride back against uh, home against James Madison in second right now. So. Big two game stretch where they could either punch themselves back into the the lead and kind of separate themselves with with Troy in first and second, or they could fall back right to the pack and and get kind of in the more of a three to five ish range, um, depending on how this weekend turns out. And then after that, after the James Madison game, they have South Alabama, who's at the bottom, Louisiana, mm-hmm. who is actually eight and five, who's a good team on the road, um, and then Arkansas State, who's near the bottom. So you get through this yeah. one. 
you're looking at um you if you beat Marshall you're looking at four games left two of them winnable two of them against uh tougher teams but still sets you up pretty well I mean to go with what is that uh 18 game schedule I mean mm-hmm. there's a chance they go 12 and 6 you know, yeah I mean this is they've been I think I mentioned this before they've been really impressively balanced when it came to, when it comes to scoring uh Denasia Hood's not been the guy the, the player that they've really counted on uh that she's still living to score but she's only averaging 14 uh Kayla Bowie's just averaging under 10 Tiana Eden's just averaging under 10 Lauren Thompson just under seven so it's like it's been a lot more of a uh well-rounded effort than it used to be when it was just hey Kennedy Taylor gets all the assists and then Denasia Hood gets all the points um and so yeah they're really making a really a big big push with this uh this, this team that we we hoped because they brought everybody back. So we were hoping that they would kind of be uh, – because last year was pretty disappointing. We would hope they would kind of take that next step forward to being a contender, and they have. Yep. Um, real quick, let's do a live mm-hmm. uh, check-in. Okay. Know Texas – okay, Texas is up 20 on West Virginia at home. So uh, the men. The men are. Okay. So okay. good for them. Uh, and that's the only one. That's the only game going on right now. So there you go. All live right. update. There's our reaction. There we, go. <laughs> there we go um all right that's it that's all we got for y'all 56 minute podcast um get it in uh get y'all set for the weekend uh let y'all listen yep. to it on you know super bowl or on monday or whatever y'all do so yeah uh we appreciate y'all for joining us leave us a like comment share and subscribe to the youtube channel if you haven't already leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you are listening we appreciate the support we appreciate listenership send it to a friend and we will talk to y'all later